You are listening to Asian Skycast, the show that brings you the most updated aviation industry insight. Okay, welcome to the Asian Skycast. Um, Steve Robertson from Air and Sea Analytics is back with us. Steve, how are you? Hi, Max. Um, yeah, good to be back. And yeah, no, doing doing well, thank you. I uh, I was emailing you the other day, and I was sending you all this bad news that I was reading, and uh, basically asking you to talk me off the ledge. And you came back, and you actually said, you know, it's not as bad as it as it looks, and you were. Uh, giving me some some reassuring wisdom, so maybe we can just start with that, and then then we can get to some of the questions I have. Right. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I think um, yeah, I'm a few hours behind you, and um, for me, it's it's the morning, and I don't know about your routine, but yeah, you, you get up, you look at the news, you look at what's coming through, um, and I think you know we've seen that yeah, in some countries they've passed the the, the peak and are starting to make make progress. Um, you know, I think Europe and US have got a, a way to go, but you know, I've, I see a lot in the media around the, the oil and gas activity. And I think, um, yeah, it, it all needs to be put in, put in perspective. Yeah. There's an incredible effort, um, going on from a rotorcraft perspective. Yeah. First of all, to, to fly people that are medically in trouble to, to, to safety or at least to, to, to treatment. But, you know, I, I go downstairs, I, I flip on my, you know, the gas gas stove and, and the gas comes out of it. I turn the light switch on and, and the lights come on. Yeah. And that's because there's thousands of people, you know, working offshore day to day, you know, to, to make sure production continues and to make sure that we've got, you know, gas, that we've got, you know, power for our electricity um, generation. Uh, and that's a remarkable, that's a remarkable thing. And it's a remarkable achievement. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers of aircraft that are flying, and I did this exercise this week, I looked at you know, the global super medium and heavy market which is you know up every month uh, this year um first is the same period last year you know and i did the same for the for the uk i mean the uk is you know nearest damn it you know exactly the same levels of activity that we had last year and in fact the main deviations from that activity can be explained by you know, fog or you know, storms coming through it's so this you know the, the market hasn't ground to a halt and if people are telling you that you should really you, know, you should really look at the, where that data is coming from and and question it. I think. Well, so then let me ask you in uh, two different ways. I guess the first is, you know, given the fact that you know we do have people on offshore platforms, uh, on offshore rigs who are sick, um, you know, need to be evacuated. But has the COVID virus caused a uh, slowdown in production explore, exploration because of uh, issues around manpower? I mean, this, this what is it's true to say for sure that there are certainly examples of um, workover activities being cancelled. There's examples of turnaround activity being cancelled, and actually, ironically, that increases production rather than decreases production because field doesn't go offline. Uh, and of course, there's been instances of people getting ill and having to be um, you know, taken off or, or, or isolated. And, and these are very newsworthy things. And they appear, you know, as I say, you, you get up in the morning and that's what you see in the news. But what you don't see in the news is the is the other ninety eight percent, which is all the you know, all the all the efforts that are successfully going on to keep that production keep that production right. going. And, and I think and and the personnel issue, I mean that I think we both agree is probably a short term issue. So then I guess the larger, you know, economic term is what is is happening first one with demand destruction, but then two uh, with the fact that the the news does seem to keep coming out about oil companies cutting capex budgets, um, you know. And I think you sent me a message that uh, you, you can tell everyone, but that 
you know, EMP cost cutting, I mean, we're only talking 20 to 30%. The news is sometimes making it out as like 50, 60, 70%, right? Um, I don't know if you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I, I think I think well, I think it's perfectly possible. I mean, that's that's a natural reaction to an oil price downturn is to is to trim trim back capital expenditure. If you look at the detail of what's happening there, you know, most of those cuts are relating to unsanctioned products projects or or you know activity that that can be turned off in a in a short period of time. I, I do think it will affect project sanctioning this year. I think that's you know that's that's inevitable. But you look at the the majors, you know, BP cut CapEx by twenty percent, same with Chevron, same with Shell, they're all at twenty percent. I mean these are billions of dollars, but it's you know this kind of twenty percent type of level. Total seventeen percent, ENI twenty five percent, Equinor nineteen percent. I mean it's these are the sorts of numbers that are that are typical, um, and that's you know. And you look at the reaction from the from the equity markets, and they're reacting to that in a positive way. You look at what happened to Shell's uh, stock price this week, and you know, the market has reacted to that favorably. So that's yeah. This is a this is classic oil price downturn playbook from the EMP companies, and it's it's what the investor community would expect, and it's you know, it's what the CFOs of these companies are paid paid to do in, in this type of um, scenario. But the, and the other thing you had said to me was that, you know, this isn't necessarily affecting production and that even at current oil price levels, uh, the production that's coming out, even from places like the North Sea, uh, is still viable. That's that's right. And I think, um, again, there's been a lot of uh, speculation about that in, in the market. I would... Um, I would point people to some analysis that Wood, Wood McKenzie uh, put out. I think it was earlier this week, um, yeah, which was showing effectively that even at twenty-five dollars a barrel, I think it was ninety percent of um, um, UK production was still um, uh, cash positive. Um, so there's yeah, for the you know the, the oil price is going to have to fall a long way before you start actually shutting platforms in. Uh, there, right. I mean, there, there are there are examples in the North Sea of, of platforms that have had technical issues, and and you'll have seen in the news that, you know, Enquest, for example, is going to close their Thistle platform per- permanently. But that's you know they've had a number of technical issues with that over the over the winter. Um, so that's not you know, purely an oil price uh, or an oil price driven decision. Do you think? I mean, not to change change gears too much, but. You know, there's all this um, emphasis by Chevron and all these other groups that always have to come out in every one of these downturns and say, oh, the dividend, you know, we're going to support the dividend. It's all about, you know, they they have to make a big show of they're not cutting their dividend. Um, And it just always sort of seems strange to me that you have a moment in time where you can use your money to acquire acreage. you know, much more cost effectively than you could before. The cost of rigs, vessels, boats, like everything is coming down. And yet, you know, they're not looking at that as an opportunity to to expand. It's just, let's cut so we can maintain this dividend payout. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I understand why they do it. It's just, I never quite got it, I guess, from a long-term perspective. Right. I mean, as, as you say, they're working on a quarter-to-quarter basis. You know, they're, they're going to get crucified by their shareholders, you know, pension funds, etc. That you know, that that buy these oil majors because of the dividends. You know, they they're you know, trying to explain to that community that you know this these 
is a longer term play here and you know at some point in the future there may well be um you know strong demand for some of these these assets that are available at, at very low prices at the moment it's it's just not how they how they think um uh, so look i no, i agree that there's there's a whole rake of opportunities um that are, that are out there but you know i would say a fairly low appetite to 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 go after them and do you think with all this the stimulus that's going on um i mean do you have a view like, cause like the last time we talked um what had happened was the russia china dispute and uh sorry russia um saudi arabia dispute and that had really led to crash in oil prices and then i think sort of dawned on everyone that airlines weren't going to be able to fly anymore but um we have now had or are about to have a massive amount of global stimulus pumped into the system um do you have a view on what what like how that actually translates then into hydrocarbon prices i think the the biggest problem at the moment is that we've got you know, near enough i think the number is 1.7 billion people that are effectively on on lockdown right uh so that causes such a huge chasm between um, you know, all demand and all supply that you, know, you can throw whatever stimulus you like at, at that problem. But it's just you know if people can't aren't flying, you can't force yeah, people to fly because you yeah, can't fly exactly right? exactly. So I look I, that's we're gonna have to live with that. There's no getting around that. There's no quick fix or or solution to that in the short term. We're gonna have to go through this process of isolating people. You know, working through the you know the the the, the timeline of this of this of this virus and then when we're out the other side you know the likes of opec have got to kind of consider you know what the supply demand balance looks like you know as i think you, know, you rightly point out at the moment it looks horrendous because we've got you know probably more than 15 16 million barrels a day out of whack between supply and demand or maybe more than that um but when that demand comes back this you know, likely still going to be a bit of a a bit of a, a gap there that will need you know a coordinated you know, response arguably from the likes of OPEC, Russia, and the US. But yeah, I I actually think I mean you've got. I mean, it's sort of interesting, right? Because you've got three people that are really driving this. You've got President uh, Trump, you've got Putin, and you've got MBS. And these are three very very hard negotiators, right? Uh, these are people that do not like to be told what to do, and. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's going to be really fascinating to see if the three of them can kind of come to some kind of um, uh, equilibrium because, I mean, this isn't good for anybody right now. Yeah, no, it's it's not. I mean, it's, it's not good for, it's certainly not good for, for, for countries that rely primarily on um, exporting oil as their main source of um, revenue. Yeah, it's not even good. It's not even that good for consumers right now because we just said, I mean, it's nobody's getting in their car and taking a road trip. Um, you know, we are heading into summer months, so heating isn't going to be as important. I don't know. I I think there's a lot of ramifications to it, but I just wonder how much of this is just the personality of the leaders involved versus, you know, making rational long-term economic decisions. But anyway, that one's above my pay grade, so I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at there. Well, um, I, yeah, I think the point is that there's a, there's a natural incentive for um, those parties to come to agreement eventually. You know, I think that's, there's, if... If that doesn't happen, it causes such pain in you know in in countries like Saudi Arabia that that it just won't be sustainable. There's going to have to be a solution to that to that problem. And you know whoever gives in first, as you say, that's anybody's guess. But that's that situation can't persist long term. It just doesn't. It just it just won't work. So 
So just to uh, bring it back to helicopters specifically, we're not going to run that long today. Um, I mean, outside of the oil patch, you and I had talked a little bit offline about just, you know, the sort of a realization on the parts of governments or even just regular organizations, um, how important rotary lift is in situations like disasters. Uh, and whether that's a natural disaster, whether it's a pandemic, anytime you need to get supplies in, evacuate people out, get doctors in, I mean, you need rotary aircraft. Are you seeing in the data that you're tracking, uh, and like, can you, can you monitor the uptick in rotary use, um, because of the, the COVID-19? Oh, because of COVID-19, um, or just the general, the general trend, I guess. I know, I know people have been asking you very silly questions about specific, I'm not asking the specific numbers, but just, um, you know, between wildfires in Australia and California and just everything that we've, we've been seeing yeah i mean you can see in the data that some of the covid 9 specific applications that that people have developed as a solution for this crisis and they're you know it's it's been a very quick response from the industry and i think they should be applauded for that i you know i'm i'm uh, i think as you say you go you look through this through this winter and in the southern hemisphere you've had you know wildfires um, you know, obviously, particularly in Australia, and, and helicopters are featured in you know, virtually every news article around around um, around those issues. In 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 the UK, we had you know f- flooding. We've had Chinooks dropping um, materials and, and building dams. You know, we've now got coronavirus, and it's. I think you know, in in times of sort of peak distress, you, you learn very quickly. You know, what are the vital services? What are the mission critical services? And and you know, what things are superfluous? And I, I think we're. You know, I think we're finding that out now that actually, you know, things you really depend on, yeah, you know, are not necessarily the things that are valued in monetary terms in, in uh, hi- highest by society. And I, I think, you know, if anything comes out of this this crisis, hopefully it'll be an understanding that there's you know, certain essential services that we have to invest in, we have to support, um, and we have to, you know, applaud when they're when they're doing things right. And I, you know, well, let's see how the, how this how the dust settles after all of this. But hopefully. You know, hopefully that'll be one you know, positive outcome from this from this year. Yeah, and I think, and, and, and we'll wrap up, but I think in general, if I can take one message away, it's that you're not, this guy, I mean, I that's not the right way to put it, but you, you are still, um, you still feel that this is a viable industry that isn't going away. Uh, we just have to get through this, this winter. I, yeah, and I think it's more vital than ever. And I think, um, you know, we've got a tough, tough, tough year ahead, but I think, um you know, as I said, as I just said, I think it you know, really does show that this industry is absolutely vital. Um, we need it in the in the good times, and we need it even more in the in, in the bad times. So, so yeah, oh, I think that's all right. yeah good. What's uh, what's next for you? What do you have? Are you working on any um, any big projects that you can talk about? Or uh, yeah, well, I've been busy um, uh, been busy working on a review of the one three nine fleet, um, the Leonardo AW one three nine fleet. Um, which I finished a few weeks ago, and I've actually just uh, been uh, kicking the tires of that with some of the um, Leonardo guys, um, working on a wider sort of uh, uh, oil and gas review, sort of globally of the infrastructure, the projects, um, and how that's serviced by by Rotorcraft. And then, in, in in amongst all that, as you say, I've been fielding questions from clients and journalists, and and so on. So it's you know it's been. And we're sitting here on on a Friday Friday morning, and it's been a it feels like it's been quite a quite a busy week. But I think um, 
yeah, there's certainly a, I think there's certainly an appetite in this market for, you know, data driven decision making, you know, um, looking at, at what the, at what the, the information that, you know, the, the actual underlying data is, is telling you rather than trying to, you know, backfill a story or a hypothesis that you don't have any support for. So I think, you know, more than ever, there's a, there's a demand to actually, um, yeah, make data driven decisions. And I think, yeah, if that's keeping, keeping me busy and I'm sure it's keeping, um, the, the, keeping I mean, maybe you, you can't, you can't, um, talk about it yet until it's released, but I mean, the one three nine market seems to be holding up pretty well. It, yeah. I mean, from a oil and gas crew transfer perspective, yeah, yes, it, it does. And I think, um, or more just it, from like a leasing company perspective, right, being able right. to put an aircraft to work if you've got one EMS search and rescue. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a number of reasons for that, you know, ranging from, you know, the, not just the performance of the aircraft, but the reconfigurability of it. Um, it's, yeah, it's perfectly suited for, for, um, oil and gas missions. And it's got a very, a very good reputation there. And, um, yeah, look, I, 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 uh, I, I don't want to share some of the, 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 the numbers until, you know, I've had a chance to, um, uh, finalize them, but they look, you know, very positive in terms of the the, the growth and activity uh, year on year. So, um, yeah, I look forward to talking about that a bit more. Yeah, perhaps in the future. All right, good. Well, that's that's some good news at least. Um, Steve, thank you again for uh, for doing this, and uh, hopefully, as this evolves and as the situation becomes clearer, we'll uh, continue to have you back on to to give us an update. Likewise. Well, look, thanks, Max. It's been great to great to talk to you, and thanks for the opportunity. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week on Asian Skycast. Make sure to visit our website, Asian Sky Media, where you can subscribe to the show on your phone or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show.